Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash complete developer podcast. Some of the best things that we learn are not in a classroom, but just sitting around chatting with our fellow developers. Dev chats or lunch and learns somewhat formalize this process. They allow for things such as knowledge transfers from senior developers who've been working in a code base for years, as well as providing an opportunity for younger developers to show off new skills and technologies. In this episode, we'll be discussing ways to get buy-in from management, how to get fellow developers excited about Lunch and Learns, selecting topics and speakers, and some of the common obstacles that you're going to face when trying to get a Lunch and Learn culture at your work. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? I have just been writing. I turned in 45 pages of content for the book last night and turned in another 10 this evening. And I still wow. have a lot to go. <laughs> yeah. And they just, they just threw uh, five of them back over the wall at me, uh, you know, with edits. I haven't even looked at those yet. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just a ton of typing and it's going to be that way for, you know, quite some time, I imagine. So I don't, I don't really have a whole lot else. So how about you? I feel like my job title should be changed to fireman. I've been putting out fires left and right lately. I mean, it's not a terrible thing, and I'm learning a lot in the process, but uh, I- I'd like to get back to building something new again, you know? It gets old after a while, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it kind of does. Uh, in better news, I went to my friend Alicia's art show on Tuesday night at City Winery downtown. She's an amazing artist, and uh, all of her pieces, they have just so much depth to them. Like when you look close, you see all this detail and meaning in them. My personal favorite are the ones with anatomical hearts, just because I can look at them and point out all the different, like, that's the aorta. That's, you know, the inferior vena cava. I mean, you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, that's really neat. Um, I'll, I'll put a link to her artist page in the show notes for you guys. I had way too much fun looking at at her stuff and at all the other artists there. They had live music. I even got my face painted with like a Mardi Gras mask. It was so cool. One of the really cool things that I noticed while I was there is that the art show had a category for technology which I thought was really neat. But with that in mind, I have an interesting article for IOTs. So this article in Makezine is about how the world of technology and the world of art are influencing one another. It's called Art Plus Technology, New Art Forms, Not Just New Art. Really neat title. It's written by an artist turned maker who runs a makerspace in Philadelphia. And in the article, she describes several different ways that art has been influenced by technology. She also talks about new art forms that have been created because of technological advances. And there's even a timeline of art influenced by technology. Like it starts back at like 5000 BC and like goes forward and shows like, you know, here's when the 
photograph was invented and then the different things that spun off of that, uh, you know, to film and to television and the different art forms there to interactive art. And like, it's really a fascinating article. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Who's talking to us this week? Well, we got a tweet from John Folder saying, at Complete Dev Pod at Bowtie Beach, you mentioned you studied psychology before dev work. Did you work as a psychologist before you changed careers? I've just made the leap from psychology to my first dev job after over 10 years as a psychologist and being paid to code is so awesome. Dude, it is so awesome. I'm right there with you. John, I worked at a local psychiatric hospital in several capacities, from an addictions counselor to an admissions officer to working in the psychiatric transition unit of the local ER. Uh, I did quite a bit there in psych. Um, I was actually in the process of getting my master's degree when I switched over to pre-med and ended up going to medical school. Thought I was going to go into psychiatry um, or emergency medicine. I was a little into both of them. And then obviously you guys know I ended up not finishing med school, but uh, I didn't work as a psychologist though. Uh, I never got my PhD. So, but I did do a lot of work in the field and yeah, I completely understand it. That first time, I think I was, I was working for Will, the first client that I had that paid me that wasn't like Will paying me to do something. Uh, like when he was paying me to do something, it felt like a friend helping me out. When I had a, an actual client pay me for something I'd built, it, it was really awesome. And then that very first paycheck on the first job I had after my apprenticeship was just like the most beautiful thing. It was amazing. So I'm, I'm right there with you. But uh, John, send us a DM with your contact information because we've got a complete developer water bottle just for you. And guys, if you'd like your very own complete developer water bottle, leave us a review on iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all of our episodes to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and I'm guessing Google Plus is still around. We're also on Instagram and Tumblr. You can check us out each week on Facebook Live where we talk about what's going on in the tech world and answer a few listener questions. Or join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Lunch and Learns are an employee-led training that occurs over lunchtime. This can be training on skills used in the offices or learning how legacy systems work or on building company culture and team growth. They're not formal and typically not mandatory. Many companies use these as alternatives or supplements to formal training. One or two employees may attend a training or conference and then share the knowledge they gained at one of these events. They're becoming a major part of many companies and work cultures. They come in all sizes and shapes, and when done correctly, leave employees feeling excited about the topic. Yeah, one of my absolute favorite lunch and learns that I went to, we actually made lunch there. So we made sushi at this lunch and learn. It was really neat idea that one of my coworkers came up with. And uh, what she did was she was showing the difference between different project management styles and you know what a a waterfall style is like what an assembly line style is like what a uh, agile style is like and so we did we did three or four iterations and eventually we had enough sushi to feed everybody we broke up into teams and the, it was a, it was a lot of fun and we got to eat what we had made the team with the person who'd made sushi on it before obviously the winners because you know they had someone that knew what they were doing whereas the rest of us were just like well we eat sushi you've never really made it before <laughs> Yeah. But I tell you, that was months ago, and 
I, I still remember it. That stuck with me, and I use it to describe the differences in uh, in the way the different project management techniques are used. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I also remember from you know lunch and learns that I've attended is not only that you you learn stuff from it, but you get a common grammar mm-hmm. for describing stuff, and that's really helpful. So in this episode, we'll start with some of the benefits of lunch and learns and the different types of lunch and learn setups, so you can find the one that best fits your team dynamic. Then we'll discuss getting buy-in from management and coworkers. Next, we'll go over how to select topics and speakers, and then we'll close up uh, with a few common obstacles to avoid. So starting off, some of the benefits of Lunch and Learn. Lunch and Learn programs encourage growth of developers and of the team. You know, the ability to share ideas and interests with coworkers encourages each other to explore and grow hidden talents that we may not have even known we had. Coworkers are able to teach each other, and these also encourage public speaking in a mostly friendly environment. Yeah, at least you're kind of protected by the workplace rules. You know, people can't be obnoxious past a certain point. And if you're shy, (laughs) that's probably going to make you feel better about it. Yeah, I mean, if you're a good friend of mine, I'm going to pick on you. Now, if you're a good friend of mine and I know you are super shy, I'm going to like encourage you and put people in their place if they get out of line in your talk. But if you're a good friend of mine and you're not like your first time speaking, oh, I'm going to. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm going to heckle you. And everybody knows it. Everybody that's friends with me knows it. Uh, some of them actually ask me to come to their talks, even if it's not on a topic that I'm interested in, just to heckle them. <laughs> like, you always drive conversation, even when you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you're really good at driving it when you're wrong. I've seen that uh, <laughs> dynamic in action once or twice. Um, you know, in addition to making the speakers comfortable, uh, you know, by reducing the stress load there, it also makes you know, in a lower stress learning environment because it's not a formal class. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not mandatory. So there's no pressure to get something that you can immediately use on a project. You're just there looking. A lot of times training sessions are very intense, a lot of learning in a short amount of time. Sometimes you're trying to learn to implement something new. You may have someone come in uh, and do a an intense short training to teach you how to use this and you have to learn as much as you possibly can in the short time they're there. Yeah. And so it can be stressful. It can be intense. Whereas lunch and learns are about learning in sort of a relaxed atmosphere and setting. You know, one of the best things is that they don't take away from normal development time. Yeah. And I think that's probably undersold too, because dude, when you're sitting in a training and you know, you're already overloaded, you've got to learn this new stuff. You're stressed about that, but you also know, hey, when I get back, I've got a couple of days worth of crap to catch up on before I even start trying to do this stuff that I just learned and probably won't remember. Yeah, been there, done that. Now, the other thing that Lunch and Learns can do for you is they can also increase transparency and understanding within your team. So, you know, a lot of times you have people that work together that don't really know what the other person's working on. They don't know that part of the system. You know, your teams mm-hmm. get siloed and Lunch and Learns provide an opportunity to learn about the other departments or other teams that you're working with. And this can provide you with a better understanding of people's roles and make you make better decisions as a result of that. It can also smooth over tensions between departments. I know there tends to be a lot of tension everywhere I've been, not just my current job, but when I've done some consulting and things, there's always a lot of tension between the developers and the testers. Oh, yeah. 
And like I've heard you tell stories about it. Every friend of mine that is in development or is a tester talks about that tension between them. And it, it was... I'm guilty of it too. I'm guilty of you know getting frustrated with QA and being like, well, it works on my box. I don't understand why it's not working for you. I've said that. Um, I've also been the one that that was telling QA, hey, I found a bug, but you know, no one else seems to be able to have this problem. But yeah, you know, I've I've been on both sides of it. Basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and before I was on the other side of it, what really helped me was a a dev chat and we'll talk about the difference between dev chats and lunch and learns in a minute but was a dev chat that we had by one of our QAs just describing the process that she goes through and like all that she does in preparing a test case and things like that that really sort of opened up my eyes to like the amount of work that's involved in it and you know some of the the areas where we were miscommunicating and yeah. so yeah it just like that is one thing when I was writing this, I'm like, yeah, that is, it, it really did smooth over those tensions. Yeah. And it kind of humanizes the other party. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the other thing it can do for you too, is it can help you onboard new developers, right? So you've got a new person in there and they're going to the lunch and learn and they're interacting with their other coworkers and it's not high stress. It, it lets yeah. people kind of blend into the team a little bit better, a little bit earlier. Yeah. I would highly encourage if you have lunch and learns going on, um, I would encourage you to have your new developers go at least their first couple of weeks, even if it's, hey, I will buy you lunch and we'll we'll have it there. Just have them go to that because that's that's a great way for them to get that kind of that buy in that that group become part of the team. Yeah, because it's um, a lot. I mean, the thing about it is, is you'll lose developers if they don't feel that. Right. Right. Like they that's don't. True. We don't stay <laughs> when no. things are like that. And so. <laughs> It costs a lot of money. Like, you know, as part of writing this book, I have looked into like what it actually costs to hire a developer and holy crap, buying them lunch, that's nothing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're easily, you know, you know, to like the lower mid five figures for hiring a developer. It's, it's insane. Also, learning all the ins and outs of a legacy system can be very daunting. And these lunch and learns allow existing developers to kind of explain some of the decisions that were made when coding the older systems. Yeah. And, you know, that even includes talking about the, the personalities of the people that are not there anymore that mm -hmm. built some of those things. You know, that, that stuff is not stuff you would put in a formal setting. But if you go, hey, during lunch, yeah, you know, this guy kind of had an issue. His, you know, he and his wife were splitting up when he wrote this part of the code. And, you know, you might get kind of surprised by stuff. Just bear in mind that that's what was going on. And that helps because you don't feel like you're not being gaslit by the code. They also help to grow the community and improve the culture where you work. We've kind of hinted at this a little bit, but they can be a way for coworkers to share their hobbies and maybe their side or toy projects that they're doing. Yeah, and that increases engagement between teams and departments that might not otherwise interact, right? Because hobbies probably cross-cut a lot more than you know mm -hmm. just the coding stuff. And people are willing to put in more effort when they know and they care about other people in the company, right? You take care of your team. As humans, we're very tribal. And yeah. these lunch and learns, they help build tribe in your workforce. So next, we're going to talk about a few different types of lunch and learns. And these these kind of, there's different ways to describe them. I went for the very kind of basic, all right, here's what they are kind of thing. Um, the first one is your brown bag lunch and learns. And this is what most people think of when they hear the term lunch and learn. 
these are the bring your own lunch to the office and eat while listening to a speaker lunch and learns. Yeah, I've done that before. You know, people that don't bring a lunch can sometimes run out and pick something up before the session starts. If it's planned well enough, they can, you know, they'll know about it and can run out and grab something, you know, five, 10 minutes before it gets started. Or yeah, the, order something even. Yeah, that, that too. Cause I think, uh, you know, when we've done it uh, at other companies I've worked at, what we've done is we've called, you know, Jimmy John's and everybody puts in their part of the order and then they show up with, you know, like 15 sandwiches and you're good to go. In like 15 minutes because they're freaky fast. I know. They are really quick. Except when they're not. When they're not, <laughs> dude, you'll be waiting two hours for your lunch. Oh, yeah. Every, I mean, just every so often they'll hit you with that. It's like a rogue wave and you're just like, what happened? <laughs> you know, it's probably like one time out of like 50. But they, yeah. they will nail you occasionally. But most of the time, yeah, they're really quick. But like I was saying, this is what most people tend to think of when you're mentioning a lunch and learn. There's typically someone who regularly organizes this and they tend to follow a format. Speakers tend to be people from the company, usually your coworkers. You may be asked to do some speaking. Uh, some people actually have it as part of their performance plans if it's uh, really ingrained in the company culture to speak at one of the lunch and learns. Yeah. Now, you know, there's another variant here as well, and that's, you know, meetup groups. Like there's, you know, local meetup groups a lot of times that will hold lunchtime sessions. And so this, this can kind of be a blur between your work and the group yeah. uh, in a lot of cases. I know there is a, a Franklin developer lunch that meets uh, around, uh, I forget which office building, but it, it meets there uh, around Maryland Farms area. Ah, okay. Yeah, the, further north. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a group that I meet up with uh, periodically that go to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. And so okay. it's one of my mentors and some other people that worked for one of our clients, <laughs> which I didn't know that the first time I ate with them. And then they're all talking about something and I'm like, wait a minute, that's our software. Wait, what? <laughs> you know? yeah. So that was, that was kind of cool. It was a little bit of a surprise, but yeah, I mean... Um, you know, those kind of deals work pretty well. They don't tend to be every week. Um, uh -huh. But, you know, once a month, once every couple months, it's, you know, it's a good thing. And it's usually at a restaurant. So you don't have to, you know, be like all organized and stuff the night before. You it's know, a lot less formal. And typically it doesn't have a speaker, but they have like a discussion topic. Yeah. So it's, or it's like, just networking. Right. Even. Yeah. There's, there's networking too. Uh, the the more formal ones, like the the meetup group ones, tend to have a we're going to talk about this, yeah. And then the organizer has like some uh, trigger questions and things like that to spur the conversation on. Yeah, and I mean some of the ones I've gone to have been really really informal. But dude, if you put a bunch of developers at a table, like we're going to talk tech anyway. Like you might as well just guide yeah. that. <laughs> you know, so it's our, it's going to happen. So just go ahead and deal with it, and you know. Yeah. Now the next type that you might run into are sponsored lunch and learns, and these usually have food provided to the attendees. They may be sponsored by your company to do a training during lunchtime. I've had that a couple of times. Yeah. Um, in and out of development, this this is not just something that's in de the development world. And the nice thing is, this doesn't take away from your normal work time. So you can get that training and they, they get around it by providing you food. Uh, a lot of times, though, these can be mandatory. Yeah. Uh, the other variant on this is a vendor sponsored. These tend to have a little bit better food. Yeah. <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. Um, and usually it is some vendor coming into the office to demo a product. They're probably trying to make a sales pitch to someone higher up, but they want 
to to get the development team excited about it and interested in it. So they'll come in and they'll usually have some people showing things off and demoing things and providing food and maybe some other prizes. I don't I don't know. I haven't been to many of these. But uh, these may or may not be mandatory. Sometimes yeah. if your company is like, we're, you know, we work with them, we, we purchase products for them, we want you to come in and like, you're, you're higher up, like your leads and stuff may be required to go to it, but your general like senior and junior mid-level developers may not. They may just get to go if they want to. Yeah, you know, one kind of uh, company that I've seen do a lot of this is uh, like your reporting and BI tools mm-hmm. companies, especially if they're smaller you know, yeah. I, I've seen that a few times. I've had some pretty good lunches that way. <laughs> uh, either that or recruiters that are placing people with your company. That's and, true too. Yeah. You know, explaining some of those kind of things. Or, um, you know, I've also seen it where like the HR department will do that and they'll, they'll, you know, do that as a training. But it's, Hey, we're also going to go over all your health insurance and all this other stuff because we know you're not going to show up if we don't feed you. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, that's actually I'm, what ours uh, said to me. Um, and that was accurate because uh, they, you know, that's like a running gag. They're just like, how much will Will eat at a free meal? All of it. Yeah. Like it's all that's going. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I may not eat for like three days after that, but if it's all free, yeah, it's gone. So the last type we're going to talk about is something I've already mentioned a little bit, and that is developer chats. Uh, these are similar to lunch and learns. Sometimes people use the terms interchangeably, uh, but usually these happen without the lunch part. They're not typically at lunchtime. What I've seen is they happen after lunch in most places. This does eat into work time a little bit, but uh, typically they're scheduled so that they happen during your slower work time. So right after lunch when everybody's just kind of... The dullard. Uh, yeah, they, they schedule these and uh, they can be mandatory. Most of the times I've seen them, they're, all right, every Thursday at 1.30, we have this meeting. And you yeah. have to go to it. Yeah, I've seen that at one or two places. Um, I tend to work with a lot of, you know, I've worked with a lot of companies that have had a lot of legacy stuff. And so they weren't mm-hmm. as good about the training just mm-hmm. in general. Um, but the companies that were good about it uh, tended to do this. Or um, the other thing I've seen is where they'll bring in breakfast. And so, like, Ooh. you'll have bagels and stuff, you know, and they'll get you, you know, nice and hyped up on coffee, show you something for 15 minutes and then kick you out of there and then you go work. That's not a bad idea at all. I actually yeah. kind of like that. That's good. The bagels are cheap. Yeah. Like big boxes of them are cheap. So, I mean, that's that's why they do that, right? Like it's yeah. not it's not so much a planning thing as, oh, well, I can get away with this on my budget and it's not really a problem. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing with this is it can be a good time for group training or big announcements for the entire department. <laughs> like, you know, there's that one guy, Will, who just ignores emails. Yeah. <laughs> and so you you have to tell everyone at the same time because, you know, sending an email just won't work for that guy. So you have these things where it's like, all right, everybody's going to get together at this time and, you know, we're going to do a little training and we're going to have our, our team announcements and stuff like that. I, yeah, those are always fun. <laughs> and you're getting severance pay and you're getting severance pay. <laughs> it's like the right, Oprah so of that, but... <laughs> No, they do it individually for that. So yeah, you're good I was, there. I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of the people that, that give you severance, uh, the thing that you got to do is you got to get buy-in from management if you're going to be trying to set these up. So from a cost-benefit analysis, they're not really expensive 
for the team, uh, especially when you compare what you're spending on, you know, development tools, uh, actual developers, health insurance for developers, air conditioning. Like th- <laughs> this is like so low on the list of actual expenses. It's kind of weird that companies don't spend the money on this for the amount you get. Like when selling this idea to management, they're going to like that it doesn't cost the company money. The thing is, you're going to have to still sell the idea to them. Yeah. Because just to get the conference room space and to get that one one guy out of there that's always in the conference room, like <laughs> I, like every company seems to have that dude, you know, that like he's got a cube that he's supposed to be in, but he's in the conference room. And you, you got to like get upper management to kick him out of there because it's always like he's like a junior VP of, you know, basket weaving or something. And like nobody knows who his boss is. And like you got to get the CEO to kick him out. Like every place I've worked, there's been some dude. Um that, that does that. So you're going to have to get the buy-in, even if this costs nothing. But companies should really like this. You know, like if you have a current employee giving talks, it doesn't cost the company any money. And that employee has to train before they give the talk because they're going to embarrass themselves if they don't. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're kind of getting a double whammy there and you're seeing who your leaders potentially are as well. You know, it's the leadership pipeline. Also, it doesn't pull a lot of time away from your regular work. But it gives the benefits of training. Now, it might involve a little bit of a longer lunch on the days that you do it, but you're, you're spending maybe 15, 20 more minutes on lunch break because you're in this training instead of going to a two or three hour training session. Yeah. Or instead of going back to your desk and, you know, fighting your daytime sleep apnea for 30 minutes while you wait for your lunch to start digesting, (laughs) you know, like, I mean, realistically, (laughs) that's really what you're trading it out with. Yeah. Um, They they basically provide a way to hold trainings and still get work done during the day. And employees are going to gain knowledge while not falling behind in their duties. Yeah. And that's a big thing too. I mean, your training opportunities that like, that's how you retain employees. If you don't train them, they got to go because if they don't, they're there forever and their pay plateaus. Uh, One of my favorite uh, memes that I've seen is actually a tweet from Richard Branson. Train people well enough so they can leave, treat them well enough so they don't want to. Yeah. And I've heard some variants on that as well. That's, you know, stuff like, uh, what if we pay our best people, you know, pay to train our best people and then they leave and somebody goes, what if we pay them to stay and we don't train them? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a lot of variants of that. Um, I, I just, I really like that. It, it kind of hits home for me. I'm like, that's exactly the way I, I think. And luckily that's the way my workplace thinks too. They, we have a lot of mandatory trainings, but we also get to take a lot of, a lot of training in areas that we want to. Yeah. And, and training like this really helps as well when you've got a lot of quirks in your code, especially, mm-hmm. you know, if your company's been around for more than about five years, you do. Yeah. Uh, it's just whether everybody's aware of it or not. There's some little hole there that if you ever go in, it's bad. And there so if you're dragons here. Yeah. I actually have like an ASCII art dragon I use for that <laughs> on occasion. Um, you know, this just, it just says stay out. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. yeah but, so like if, it's very, very frustrating to run across quirks mode in code and not realize that you're doing it. And so you're getting like weird errors and stuff's not working like you think it should. Whereas mm-hmm. if you had the training beforehand, you can kind of design ahead and you can plan for that versus just getting nailed with it. And lunch and learns are great events for uh, the developers who've been around a little bit longer. I, I don't want to say more experienced developers because they may they may hire someone on that's got more experience than the person that's been there for five years. 
but the person that's been there for five years knows the code base better. So, right. you know, I, I don't want to say more experience, but someone that's been there longer, and it gives them a chance to explain, hey, here's what we did. This is why we had to do it. We had the this we had this client that wanted this one product white labeled that we don't normally do, but they're our biggest client. So we had to do this to make it that way. And like just all sorts of history and you know, backlog about things like just today at, at work, we were talking about something and I said, I, I thought I said that we didn't do that. And the BA I'm, I'm working with, she's like, you know what? You might have, and I forgot about it. It's like, if you want, I can go back through the logs and find our conversation. I'm like, it's not important. <laughs> I mean, yeah. who said what? But I'm like, I, cause I was, I was telling, I was trying to apologize for if I had forgotten to tell him that. And I'm like, I thought I told you back when we, we first discussed this, but you know, maybe, maybe it got lost in something. But that's the kind of things like those types of conversations are the things that someone coming on isn't going to know about. Yeah. I mean, I've got a former employer that's still around. Um, and when I worked there, I had to deal with a nine-track tape and read all the data off of it and convert it from EBCDIC to ASCII and then had to rewind the tape and run it again to just get it in EBCDIC because of packed bits. And we had this convoluted process to get the data all the way down to an access database. Well, I'm sure some of that code is still there. Wow. And there's probably somebody going, what in the world is going on here? <laughs> And it's like, yeah, because, you know, 1998, we did things a little differently. Yeah. You know, like, wow. <laughs> and, and so you'll have that in an organization that's been around a while. I mean, I see stuff in our code sometimes where I'm like, why is it that way? It's like, oh, yeah, that was, you know, that was in SQL Server 6.5. And this was right after we ported from Unix, from Sco mm. uh, Scotix, um, from SCO, you know, SCO Unix to Windows, right? Like some of that stuff is still there. And if you know the history of it, it's not as bad as if you're like, why in the world did they do this? Because it like undermines your confidence, except you realize, oh, this was a while ago and they didn't have all this stuff I'm thinking about. Yeah, I follow you. I follow you. That's, um, man, I, I haven't been in it that long, but that, so, but that's, that's crazy. The other thing that you can use when, uh, when trying to convince management is that uh, Lunch and Learns can also provide a place for knowledge sharing and brain dumps from longer term employees. Yeah. I mean, that lowers your bus number, right? Yeah. The guy that's been there 20 years that has worked in a little silo of the company that's critical and nobody else knows what he does. If he walks out in the parking lot and he gets hit by a bus, how long before you're bankrupt? <laughs> so I've heard, I've heard this two ways. Um, there's the pessimist, which is the bus syndrome that you just described because mm -hmm. Will's a pessimist guys. And then there's my view, the optimistic view is what happens if uh, this guy walks out, picks up a piece of paper, and it's a winning lottery ticket? Yeah. And in that case, he buys a bus and runs over the rest of the development team. He's been <laughs> like working with us. See, the bus number thing always applies. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> that was good. <laughs> the thing we're getting at here, y'all, is having more people know the code base means it's easier. For someone to leave, someone to take a vacation. Yeah. That's the big thing is what about, I mean, we're, we're talking like big things they leave. What about just going away for a week? Yeah. Or they're, you know, they're at their mother's funeral. Like, are yeah. you seriously going to call the guy? I mean, that, that's not something that you want happening. So like 
you already need to be mitigating this anyway, even if there are no buses with irate drivers who aren't paying attention. Yeah. People still go on vacation, hopefully. Well, it, the thing is, you want them to be able to. It goes back to the uh, the Richard Branson quote about treating them well enough that they don't want to leave. If your people don't feel they can take vacation, they're not going to stay. Yeah. I, realistically, if, you know, and I know you don't like to go on vacation very often. I go mostly to visit family. But, you know, if you couldn't take a day or two off to go visit, you know, your parents around the holidays. Yeah. That would probably, that would be a non-starter for me. And, yeah. and the other thing about all the vacation policy is one one really good thing that people don't realize that that does for you is it makes people have to shuffle roles a little bit. It makes them have to learn other parts of the system instead of everything getting siloed. This is how you avoid knowledge silos is you make it where people have to take vacation. Yeah. And it also distributes the responsibility so that we're, we're talking vacation, but what if one developer is working on something very high profile, critical, time sensitive, and then there's a bug in a critical system? Yeah. If they're the only one that can fix it, then something's got to give. Yeah. And what it ends up being is either the critical project or the health of the company or the health of the developer. Right. Like you're in an iron triangle at that point. So, yeah, that that's why you want to do this kind of stuff. So, yeah, th- the next thing you have to do is you have to get coworkers excited, right? Like if you don't have buy-in from the other employees, this isn't going anywhere and you will lose your buy-in from management. So, you have to plan ahead and that means, you know, marketing the event. Right. Yeah, the 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 big thing is, you know, being prepared and letting people know what's going on. You have to prepare for these events. You can't just throw them together, though, you know, some people do be like, yeah, I have, you have it, you know, it, it, it varies on whether it works out or not. <laughs> well, and sometimes you do that too, because you don't have management buy-in and you have to throw it together because you're just catching it when they're not there. Yeah. Or it's, you know, I have to throw this together because management said, all right, you can do it next week. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll give you a trial run next week. You still got a week to prepare though. That's nice that you got that. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Could be, all right, you got to do it tomorrow. Um, Oh, yeah. You can do it today. Yeah. (laughs) It's in an hour. Can't you get ready in an hour? Hey, you know what? I can talk about anything. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, we've got that going for us. But for the most part, like, and I've been there. I've been thrown into that. And it sucks. It does. So, what you want to do is prepare for these and let people know about them. And this could be putting flyers in the break room or conference rooms. I don't know how many developers are actually going to do that. Uh, I got that hint from a marketing website, but it was, yeah. it was, they had a lot of really good stuff. And I kind of agree with this. I mean, you know, good grief, putting flyers in the bathrooms. Yeah. Is a really great way to get people. Put it on attention. the back of the stall door because, you know, yeah. the developers in there trying to get away from development. So you already have, that's already a warm audience, right? Like that's somebody that wants to get away from their desk anyway, because look where they are. <laughs> Right? It's perfect. Uh The other thing you could do is spread the information through word of mouth. You know, go around, tell people. Most of us have a few friends at work. Tell them. You might, you might only get your friends interested because they're, they're supporting you. But if you tell them and then they tell a couple other people, it's going to spread. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is you could tell them and they don't tell other people, right? And then there's an exclusive party going on in the break room. How do I get invited? Yeah. Well, there's that too. <laughs> right? Like you could totally play the other angle on that if you have to. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, however it goes, you can you can make it work. But uh and then 
the day before, send out an email reminder because people aren't going to remember to bring their lunch. So towards the end of the day, just send out an email. Hey, we've got the lunch and learn. Bring your lunch tomorrow because we're going to be meeting and learning about this. You know, maybe a little teaser for it, something like that. You know, the other thing too, speaking of teasers, is provide an outline or a summary of the topic that's going to be covered. This is great to go on your flyer. Yep. Um, and even in the email, uh, we do this every week when we do our live. We talk about what the next episode, a little teaser for it. Be like, hey, here's what we're going to talk about next week. Yeah. And I've often wondered too on these kind of things, if you couldn't actually just put like a little bit of code up there on the flyer. Ooh, like, that's a neat idea. Yeah. Just like really, you know, something that a developer will walk past and go, wait, what? <laughs> and and you know, like, like get that eyeball. Yeah, yeah. Get get their attention. It draws them in. That's uh, yeah. This will let people know what you're going to talk about. It also acts as like we we're talking about a teaser to get them excited about the topic. And you kind of want to have a learning objective for each event. So put that into your summary. Like this is what you will get out of it. Provide this is the value it's going to provide to you. Now the next thing you've got to do, um, if you're going to do this often, is you need to do it on a consistent schedule. It's the same thing we've learned with the podcast. If you have a drop day for this, it's a lot easier for you to be prepared to know what you got to have before the thing. It's easier for people to remember that they have to show up and have their lunch. Mm-hmm. It's easier for management to you know have all their pieces in a row. It's easier for anybody else that wants to jump in and speak to go okay. Maybe I can get this day to speak. It just lines everything up because everybody expects what's happening. Right. And if you look at a lot of your user groups and meetups, this is what they do. They like they meet once a month on the second Thursday of the month, you know, or something like that. So, but uh, we don't go to any of those because we're recording on Thursdays. But yep. also plan out your schedule of topics and speakers ahead of time. Speakers yeah. need time to prepare for the topic. Yes, they do. And as somebody that has some speaking coming up at the end of the month, um, believe me, I feel the pain of not having quite enough time to prepare. Mm-hmm. And you also need to have a backup or you know time to schedule another speaker if something happens because stuff will. Oh, yeah. I mean, people get sick. People move. They leave the job. They get fired. These things happen. You know, we do... We used to do regular dev chats because uh, since we only go in one day a week, we didn't really want to take over lunchtime once a week. So we'd have it right after lunch. And I told the person who was scheduling that I could be a backup speaker. I was like, you know, I've got several topics that I can just talk about right right off the cuff. So if something happens last minute and someone cancels, you, know, you can just be like, hey, BJ, can you talk about this? And I can get up there and talk for you know, 20, 30 minutes. And that helps a lot. Uh, it um, helps them, but it also helps me to be on my toes and know my material. Well, and I think that's one thing, you know, this, the next point really kind of plays into your strength, right? And that's making the sessions interactive for the audience. Oh, um, I know that's something you've been working on. Mm-hmm. These aren't classroom lectures or stuffy meetings, guys. You can make them fun. Speakers definitely need to have access to multimedia options. Yeah, and preferably, you know, that uh, that laptop that you have that is 640 by 480 and, you know, is running a 486DX, like, get something a little better. <laughs> um, you know, something from, I don't know, this decade. I mean, it is 2019, so like 2010 or later, you know, yeah. probably a good idea. Um, you also, know, you need to have a, that, the tech, but um, 
when they have access to multimedia, they can do a lot more stuff with it. I mean, if people are going to be sitting there eating, they're not typing and you really don't want them to. That's what I was going to say. Code alongs can be a lot of fun, but difficult when people are eating. Yeah. Uh, It's like interpretive dance. Yeah. It's just not something you do while you eat. If it's something like a dev chat that's happening after lunch, you can do something like this. Right. Or if you do like a, if it's an hour long session and you do a 20 to 30 minute upfront thing, like talking about what you're doing. And then the last 10 to 15 minutes is code along. Then everybody's kind of done eating by that time and tell them ahead of time, Hey, you know, don't wait to eat, eat now. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, also things like music, infographics and videos, they just make your sessions more interesting. Yeah. And keeping people from being bored is probably one of the critical tasks that you have as a mm. presenter anywhere, but especially yeah. at work. Break up presentations with questions to the audience and some discussion time because this prevents people from, like Will said, from getting bored and tuning out of the presentation. I did this with my presentation at CodeMash where I, I had the presentation and I was going through it and I was like, man, about halfway through it, I'm getting bored talking. Yeah. And I'm like, this is, this is kind of getting, getting dull. So I started throwing in, I, I made a special slide that was audience participation slide. And so the very, very beginning of the presentation, I had everyone like raise their hand if they did this or that. And I said, now see how, see what this slide looks like. This is an audience participation slide. Sometimes I'll be asking you to raise your hands. Sometimes I'll be calling on you. Sometimes I'll pick a random person in the audience and be like, all right, you answer this question. Yeah. I mean, just a little bit of humor and interaction interjected in there is great. I mean, you know, I would love to see a slideshow of like ORMs described using pictures from people of Walmart. <laughs> I think I could do that. <laughs> yes, you could. <laughs> you could pull that off. Totally. Yeah. Um, but I mean, all you got to do is do that. And then people are listening to you after you say that, just wondering what's going to happen now. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's all the show. I mean, it's P.T. Barnum all the way. Uh, we can't really do this that well with the podcast, though. I mean, I, I sometimes show things in our live show, but uh, and we, we interact with people on there. But because this is pre-recorded, uh, it's, it's not much of a thing we can do. Um, what you can do with a podcast and what you should definitely do with these Lunch and Learns is to follow up after each session. Have time and space for people to continue the discussion after the event. So, you know, if you reserve the conference room for 30 minutes and your session takes 30 minutes, there may be someone coming in right after you. So you want to give a little bit of a buffer, one, to get people in and out, but also to people are going to want to stand around and talk about it, especially if it's an interesting topic or an interesting speaker. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of value too in just giving people the opportunity to skip a little bit of work, to, you know, and they get training, but it's like, this is one of the benefits that you're able to throw out into the mm-hmm. mix. And so that's completely okay. What's funny is they, they quote, skip a little bit of work, but I don't think they, and they actually, were working the whole time. Yeah. Well, I don't think they actually miss any actual work. Like the, their amount of work, <laughs> well, yeah. the amount of work that they get done probably doesn't change if they spend an extra 10 minutes in there standing around talking. Yeah. It um, totally doesn't. The other thing you can do is send out surveys about the topic or the speaker and ask for suggestions from people on, hey, what would you like to hear about? Or if people want to volunteer, or who would you like to talk? Yeah. These can be, be things that, that guide you in the process. Now, you also want to make sure you have 
exciting and excited presenters and speakers, right? Like you get the guy, I don't know, what was his name? Was that Ben Stein? Do you remember like yeah. the, uh, the eye drops commercials where, you know, like he was ta- I can't even do that monotone on it. I don't think I can even do that anymore. He's awesome. Uh, yeah. Bueller. Bueller. Yeah. <laughs> um, nothing is worse than a speaker reading off of a PowerPoint period. Yes. Why not just, Email out the slideshow. Really, I have been in meetings where I where you go, over. where you say this should have been an email. Yeah, and that's probably exactly how you said it loudly. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a bit of a jerk. yeah, me too. <laughs> um, now it's different if this is the person's first time speaking. They're they're probably nervous. They may need some coaching, and this is a learning opportunity for them. This is a you know you you don't want to be rude when it's like they've never done this before. When it's the same person having the same meeting every week and all they do is read off the PowerPoint. Yeah. Then I'm going to, I'm going to call them out on it. Also try to find the most interesting speakers at your company and use them to bring people into the lunch and learn. Yeah. You know, Cause your speakers that are good. Like they talk to people all the time. Yeah. And people That's are literally what them. speaking is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the thing you want to do with these good speakers is spread them out. You don't want to have them like all back to back. You want to spread them out so that you can get other speakers in there without losing interest. So let's say you have a company and you've got four really good speakers. Well, you might want to do one every other month or so. Right. And, and like, then you let your second tier into the game yeah. in between. Right. And that, that, that spreads it out, but it keeps people's interest enough. Also, you, you never know. You might find one of your second tier speakers, they, they don't get out and speak much. But they got talent. Yeah. I've seen And they should. Yeah. The other thing, too, is mix up the type of speakers and the topics. You're you're not going to please everyone all the time. I mean, we don't. No, we don't care to. No. I do remember the the first, uh, I guess, hate mail that we got. We were so excited. We're like, we've made it as podcasters. I know. (laughs) That Romanian guy in California. (laughs) (laughs) This is for you, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) We know you quit on us, but we didn't quit on you. Mixing it up will get the majority of people's interest. I mean, you know, it, it may be something that I'm not that interested in right now, but if I was interested the week before and the, the next week, I'll probably go to the one that I'm not as interested in just because I'm like, you know, it's become a routine. This is just what I do. Someone may even come to something and discover a new interest. Yeah. And that's really cool. And you know, speaking of which, you need to pick topics that are actually going to be interesting for the developers. Um, look at what talks are chosen at local and you know bigger conferences. Uh, you know they don't, they don't have to directly associate with what you're doing or the tech stack you're using. You know you might talk about stuff that's coming down the pipe in the industry and you know what this stuff means. Yeah, uh, Dave from JDT and I did a dev chat on building an Alexa skill where we built one and we presented it to the team. Nothing like what we're doing or have in mind, but it was so exciting that uh, they went and got one of the higher ups and had them come and see the the presentation because now they're considering building one. Yeah. Well, I mean, this kind of stuff, even if it's not stuff you're doing, if you're having talks about a lot of things, it actually, it, it improves the way the developers see themselves. Like right. I'm on an elite team mm-hmm. doing these kind of things versus, oh, it's another CRUD app. Great. Yeah. There's also a lot of things that you can learn from other languages and frameworks that can be applied to what you do. Yeah. Um, I When I found out that uh, Link was coming out, 
or well, mm-hmm. was uh, C sharp 2008, you know, with all the Lambda expressions and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I showed some of my coworkers how to do that in Ruby yeah, and explained what it, what it was, you know, a, as a talk, it wasn't this formal because I wasn't mm-hmm. at a place that, that did that. But yeah, I mean, that's completely legit. Like mm-hmm. you can steal stuff from other languages. We, we're C sharp developers. We do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and the other thing here is they don't have to be topics around software development. So since we're talking about that, let's go ahead and get into the next topic, which is selecting topics and speakers. Now, anyone can present on just about any topic. I mean, you know, you, you do want to watch out because there, there might be some HR things that you don't want to don't want to talk about. Yeah, or stuff that's just you know politically sensitive, like yeah. within work. Yeah, um, so, so you got to be careful there. Now, a couple examples of this, we've kind of hinted at some of these, is like senior developers can use this as an opportunity to share common knowledge and some like best practices, why they use them, or maybe why they weren't used in certain areas of the code. Yeah, and you know, this is also a good way to learn you know, stuff like shortcuts yeah. for doing stuff because you get more efficient as time goes on. Now, the other flip side of that is this is also a good time for junior developers to show off the new stuff that they've learned. I mean, seniors can do that too, but juniors seem to pick stuff up a lot quicker. Yeah, and they're they're more into that because they're trying to find their groove. Right. Whereas the senior developers more, more there. Um, also, those that have been with the company for a while may present on legacy code. We've kind of talked, we've kind of beaten that one a, a lot. Um, but you know, how to deal with common problems that come up is a big thing that people who have been there for a while could do. Whereas newer employees may show off some techniques that they learned at other companies or learned in school that can improve the quality of the code or the development process, things like that. You can also bring in someone from the outside of the company to give a talk. That gives a completely new perspective. Um, you know, in fact, we did this uh, to you know get buy-in from some of my coworkers when we brought LeanKit in, and we brought you in to talk about how to set up the Kanban boards and all that kind of stuff. The other thing is, topics don't have to be about development. Uh, they should vary to address a wide array of interests that your coworkers may have. Time management and other business process skills are often great topics for lunch and learns. This might include things like the Pomodoro technique or the tomato timer. We've, we've kind of talked about that. I was just or talking it, to John Sanmez about that this week. Yeah. Um, or it could be about uh, managing change and transitions at work. Uh, even topics like overcoming the afternoon slump can be used to help your team out. Also, this can be a time to address life skills. Now, these topics can be things like great first impressions or talks on managing your finances and getting what you want out of life. Yeah, I mean, you'll be surprised at the stuff people will actually show up for a talk on. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's useful to them, they don't really care that it's not development. Another thing that we've kind of hinted at a little bit is that lunch and learns can be used to cross train teams. They help developers understand the sales process or how the business analysts get requirements from customers. They can also show sales how the development process works and possibly explain why some of the things that they want are not possible. Including the things they already promised the client. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. um, Other development teams can come in and explain their process as well. Like it's completely different for the web and the desktop apps versus the database versus the mobile. 
And a lot of the people that are in one don't really understand how stuff works on the other side. Like I'll hear desktop developers all the time go, oh, we don't want caching. And I'm like, we're on the web. We're caching. Yeah. Like, period. That's a thing that's going to happen. <laughs> and uh, as I mentioned before, we had QA come in and explain their process. And that really helped me understand what they were going through. These should not be used for company training, though. Like, lunch and learns are volunteer events uh, designed to provide better understanding between teams. Yeah. And that means that the topics don't have to be relevant to everyone all the time. Uh, you know, typically material that everybody needs to know is part of the onboarding process, or it should be. Yeah. Um, well, there's, there is that. Yeah. Yeah. New information for everyone may be passed through official channels. It probably needs you, to be for compliance yeah. in many cases. Yeah, if, if you're lucky, this means an email about the change or update. Uh, if you're not so lucky, it may mean a mandatory meeting or training with the entire company or the entire department together. It, it, it can get rough. You want to change up the topics in your lunch and learns to address different groups at different times. And this allows different people to come to the sessions based on the topic. Dev chats that I've been a part of can get boring if you're talking about topics that I'm not interested in, especially if they're mandatory. Yeah, especially if it's something I'm not going to use. Yeah. Um, that's the big one there. Um, like what I found is like UI developers. They're not interested in a debate on whether to use link or criterion for creating searches within Hibernate. Right. You know, they just, th that has nothing to do with them. They, they pass in the search criteria, they get back the search results. That's all they care about. We're right. Black box to them. How it works on the inside is there, there may be one or two that are interested in learning backend that want to know this kind of stuff. But what I'm getting at is you don't want to always have stuff about that. Right. So yeah, sometimes it'll be CSS it. and all your backend developers are like, I don't want to be known as the CSS guy because that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're not coming and that's fine. Right, right. That, and that's fine. Yeah, that, that is a good point. It's fine if people come to some and not others. You know, your goal here is to provide for everyone. And that means you're not going to hit everyone's needs at every session. Now, finally, this time doesn't have to be about training or learning. It can be about team growth and cohesion. Topics and speakers don't always have to be about work or development. You don't always have to have a speaker at every event either. Yeah, and you can use Lunch and Learns to plan activities that your team would enjoy doing together as well, or plan their real training schedule, for that matter. Yes, but please, please think beyond your corporate retreat icebreakers and team games, because let's be honest, I'm the only one that really enjoys those. Trust fall off the conference table. <laughs> Splat. Oh, <laughs> I knew it. Oh. Yeah, what do people in your office enjoy doing in their free time? Having some fun topics about what people enjoy, it's going to increase participation. And if you spread those out where, yeah, we're going to have a serious talk about this, a serious talk about that, then we're going to have a fun thing. People are more likely to come to the serious talks because they've already kind of gotten to know people and they look forward to that time. Now, one thing this may include, and I read a little bit about this when writing this outline, is it may be a lunchtime book club or a gaming group. Find out what things your team enjoys doing and plan something for them around that. Like I said, it doesn't have to be the same thing every week especially if you have a large or varied group. For example, I play Smash Brothers on the Switch at lunch with my friends from work when we go in. You know, we'll go out to lunch, we'll get our food, and then we'll sit and we'll play a couple of games. 
Yeah, and it's fun, and it, it builds that team. There's about five or six of us that do this. We have a great time. Um, back when we were in the office every day, we used to have a board game group that met one day a week for lunch. Yeah, They'd all eat lunch and play board games. I mean, just make it fun, too. It doesn't have to be about training all the time. Yeah, so with that in mind, there are a few uh, common obstacles to getting this stuff working. Uh, the first one is that it is really hard as a remote employee to participate and to mm-hmm. be set up to participate. Um, in our field, we are continually moving towards a remote workforce. You don't want to exclude anyone just because they're not physically there. Right. When scheduling so, a location, you got to make sure that you have the availability for video and audio conferencing. Yeah. And that's tricky when you also have to pick a place where you can eat. Yeah. Um, just because there's expensive equipment in there. You're also going to need internet access to connect them, um, especially if you're screen sharing or if you're you know, recording a podcast uh, remotely. And hoping the power doesn't go out again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, is, you know, if you're remote, you're also excluded from the food. How do you do that? You know, do you send the remote employee a meal? Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. If it's something like a vendor supplied thing or a company, especially a required thing, Some of the suggestions that I saw were send them gift cards or a food delivery service to where they are, which may or may not work because if you have people spread across the globe, it may be 2 a.m. when you're having this meeting. Yeah. Of course, they're probably, hopefully they're not stuck in it. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're waking me up at two o'clock in the morning for a meeting, you better feed me. Yeah. I'm just just saying, Um, I I don't know if I can get scotch by delivery, but uh, that that probably needs to be in the mix there too. Um, Finding speakers and people willing to talk can be difficult as well, especially at first when stuff isn't established. Most software developers are shy and don't want to present. Yeah. And it can be really difficult to get a shy introvert to get in front of a group of people. I mean, we talk, we talk about this uh, in a future episode that we've already recorded. It's tricky to get an introvert out of their shell enough to get them in front of people. Uh, The the thing you can do is get them talking about something that they're passionate about and just like having a conversation that gets them excited and go like, you you really should present on this. Sometimes you may need to find a co-presenter. For the more shy developers. I mean, you know, let's be honest, guys. Will could probably do this podcast all by himself. But when we first started, he was so shy, he needed me to just keep the conversation going. Yeah, there were times um, early on where I would freeze. Yeah. You know, for a couple of minutes, it just, ugh. Now, I don't <laughs> I don't have any fear at all. I'm looking at talking in front of a couple hundred people at the end of the month, and I'm just, like, my heart rate hasn't even gone up yet. Yeah. Now, The other thing you may have to do is if your entire team is shy, get someone from another department to speak the first few times. Yeah. Like this might be a great thing. Like get someone from sales to come in and explain what they do. A good way to get coworkers to speak is to ask them for help explaining something to the rest of the team. People like to give each other help. Uh, Like we like to help each other out. They also, well, we like to look like experts. Yeah. And Lunch and Learns, you know, that's a good place for you know, getting these people to do this. Um, that said, it will become very tedious when technology breaks down or doesn't work properly, especially with the remote group. They're relying on this technology. Um, they're using it to see and hear the presentation. And if the connection goes down or the hardware fails, they're not going to be able to continue. Like yeah, you may or- be able to continue the session in person. 
but those remote people are not going to be able to be there. Yeah. Or if you've got a conference room that has bad uh, acoustics and they're yeah. on a conference call, um, oh, that's in my work, that's one thing we're working on. You know, um, yeah. somebody could be writing with a pen and I can hear that, but I can't hear the speaker. I, I, I've been in conference rooms like that. Yeah. You've oh. been in that one. <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, <yeah, but> <laughs> <laughs> people will lose interest uh, in coming to the lunch and learn events. If there's always a technical delay at the beginning, yeah. Right? And if, if you it, have to get your stuff together and it's not working right, yeah, once or twice, that's fine. But if it happens every single time and you're starting 10, 15 minutes late, people are just not going to come. Yeah. Or they're going to start showing up 10 or 15 minutes late because they got stuff to do. And, you know, if it keeps happening, they're just going to stop coming at all. Yeah. And some of that kind of feeds into the whole thing of not having a good goal either and a good objective. You know, like if, yeah. you, if you haven't planned ahead for the tech, you probably don't have the next one down, which is is that, is having an yeah. objective to, to this training. It also helps you decide what topics are actually worth scheduling. Uh, mm-hmm. You may want to give the people in attendance enough so that they feel like it was worth their time. In fact, you probably should. But you also want to leave them wanting enough where they come back. You're yeah. essentially a... Uh, technological crack dealer, if you will. <laughs> well, you know, what's, what's funny is uh, people at work still talk about that sushi event that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Like that was months ago and people still talk about it because it was fun. It was cool. And it everybody remembers that. Yeah. Now, finally, you need to expect to start off with a small group. Your first few times scheduling, you're going to get maybe your friends and some people that are really, really interested in the topic. But it's going to be small, and you you have to accept that. This is something that Will and I learned doing meetup groups is, you know, yeah, you your first few times, good grief, a year into it, you may have one month where only two people show up. Just go ahead. If you only have one or two people, still have it. It's that consistency that's key. People realize that you're going to have it regularly. They're going to start showing up. If they know that, hey, you know, even if I'm the only person there, we're still going to do this. I'm still going to learn the thing I want to learn. They will show up. And also having a smaller group can help get speakers that maybe don't want to be in a bigger crowd. Yeah. And that's completely legit. No. Uh, we did that with Dev Launchpad. You know, the first few times I had to talk in front of those people. Guys, building a culture around lunch and learns can be difficult if you don't already have them. You have to get management interested or at least to allow you the space to host them. Then you have to get people to spend their free time in a training session. Selecting topics can be fun, but you also have to get speakers to discuss those topics. It is challenging, and hopefully this information can help you build a lunch and learn culture at your work. That pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I want to add one other thing that um, wasn't in the outline because it really didn't perfectly fit, and that is that when you start something like this, like a lunch and learn or you know just a culture of learning or anything like that, it becomes a thing on its own. Um, so don't look at this as something that you're going to start and you're going to have to maintain forever. You'll probably start it and you'll probably get other people involved and you may be able to step away. And that's completely fine. Uh, the idea is just getting it going. So that's all I've got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. 
For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.